Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome to today's episode of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions today. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Let's talk about what's on your mind. Let's open the Bible together. Let's pray together. Shout out to you guys listening in the Ukraine. Shout out to you guys listening in South Africa. I'm so grateful that you've chosen to connect with us. Uh, And you can call from there if you like, or you can also text us. The text number is 720-336-0897. And we are live on the Grace FM radio network, which is basically two full-power radio stations that reach from north into Cheyenne, Wyoming, all through down the western or the eastern part of uh, the, the the Rockies, what we, what's called the Front Range here, all the way down south of Castle Rock. And then you pick it up uh, south of Castle Rock and on a new station, 101.7, you can pick up in various places throughout Colorado Springs, Fountain, you know, down into Pueblo West. I was down in Canyon City last week <clears throat> on my way to our youth retreat and very faintly, I mean, it was not nothing that anyone would keep on their radio, but very faintly you could hear 1017 down there, which just stirred us up. We want one more station. Uh, there are 13 prisons down in Canyon City and 13 prisons that uh, the gospel can penetrate those walls. And my heart is to not only uh, see the gospel go forward to all those prisons, and there are some federal prisons. There's a little <clears throat> section there in Florence, uh, which is just south of of Canyon City. But in Florence, there is the Supermax, the, the federal uh, penitentiary. Um, and, uh, and so, like, it, there's such great potential. So we would love to to do that. So pray for us. Just remind, just be uh, reminded when you think of us, Grace FM, to pray for us. And we would like to extend our um, reach down in there. And so you're listening to this live. If you are on, um, if you're on Grace FM, if you're listening to it on any other station, then you are hearing the program one week delayed. Uh, one week delayed. Uh, but all that means is <clears throat> while the show is on, you can call and we'll take your call. It'll air live on Grace FM and then get your answer, your question answered, just like you would any other time. And then if you're not, if you're in another market other than Grace FM, then you get to hear your answer on the radio the following week. And because the technology for live and everything is so expensive and we're church driven, uh, church owned stations. This is the way that we have uh, decided to do it. 
So I, I know that we've got a new station in Minnesota that is thinking of picking us up there in St. Cloud. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, my throat, but I also know we have a station up in the Northeast that's going to be picking us up. And of course, hey, to you guys on Hope FM, we've had a long-standing relationship. You guys on Truth FM, again, we've had a long-standing connection with you guys. So welcome, welcome, welcome. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go right to the phone lines in Denver, Colorado on line one. Star, welcome to the program. Hey, Star, you're on the air. All right, she may not be here, but Star asks a good question. She says, in Calvary chapels, do you agree with the laying on of hands on people when praying for them? And the answer is yes. Um, we do believe in that. Um, I, I, If you want to call back and clarify, I wonder if there's some form or fashion or something that you've been taught about the laying on of hands that might cause you to doubt that we believe that. But I think that the the thing to remember when you're asking a question about the Calvary Chapel family of churches is that we are literalists when it comes to the Bible. And that means we believe in a literal interpretation of what the Bible says in its historical, grammatical, and uh, functional context so that each book was written by an author to a particular audience in a particular time period with particular contextual concerns to take up. We we believe in approaching the Bible in an expository way where we use the inductive Bible study method to gain not only the observations we see of the text, but the interpretation of the text and the application of the text. So when you when the Bible says that uh, that the laying on of hands is something to do, uh, we believe that. Um, uh, absolutely, 100%. That there is something like last night, for example. So that's a great question. That's a great question because last night in our room, uh, in our sanctuary, uh, the the folks that there was four people that I recall that responded to my invitation to repent of their sins and follow Jesus, and they were all sitting in the exact same area, like two in front of each other, to my left on the right side of the sanctuary, and instead of inviting them to come up like an altar call. I invited those that were believers standing around them or sitting around them to get up and go lay hands on them and pray with them and be encouraged. And then I warned them because it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? It's kind of weird to have strangers put their hands on your shoulders and on your back. And and I, so I warned them. I go, I know it's awkward and I know it may, but I want you to know that that what's happening today is not just a spiritual transaction with God, but that you're also in, adopted into the family of God. And the people that are with you right now uh, are your family. And, uh, and then the rest of the room, we had them lift their hands up toward them. We didn't have everybody get up, but we... Um, laid hands on them in prayer. I did from the stage as we I led them in a prayer that would help fulfill what the Bible says to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Um, I also think of, I also believe in the literal laying on of hands where Paul tells Timothy, don't be quick to lay hands on someone and give them uh, spiritual leadership so quickly uh, because spiritual leadership comes with its own dynamics of, of warfare and battles, and you don't want to lay hands on anyone hastily. Uh, so yes, we believe in the laying on of hands, but call back. Maybe there's a facet of the laying on of hands that you've been taught that we don't agree with. 
So that's a possibility. All right, let's go over to Bianca now in Aurora, Colorado. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, I've been kind of debating something which kind of goes with my question. I was wondering if I know it would be a long answer, but maybe if you could just briefly give me the basics of what Muslims believe and how to go about evangelizing them, because although I have been doing it with Jewish people, because that's what I'm more familiar with, I have been encountering a lot of Muslims lately, and so I was just wondering if there's any resources or... Did you did I remember you correctly Bianca that you got a device back where you can go on the internet? Yeah. So I want you to go to and you may already have this bookmarked but the website gotquestions.org. Okay. Is a great resource and I'm just looking at the page that they have set up uh, the page that says um Mus- <clears throat> excuse me Muslim questions and there's a whole series of links there that you'll be able to use, uh, like Assurance of Paradise, questions about Jesus, questions about the Bible, about Christianity, about Islam. Uh, there's a, quite a few uh, Bible studies for Muslims of who Jesus is, what's the Christmas story. There's some really, really good resources, and that's just one page. <laughs> so yeah, I'd start there. I'm still kind of learning how to use it though but if there's any way you or someone can send me a direct link to something I could start with because otherwise it's gonna take me forever and especially since I'm still learning and it's probably gonna take a while for me to get the hang of this new machine okay so where do you want me to send the direct link to Bianca my email. Okay, then I'm going to put you on hold, and then I'll get that email privately, and yeah. we'll send you, I'll send you a couple links. All right. Okay, Bianca. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. All right. We've got a clear open lines, 303-690-3000. Actually, they filled up while we were on that call, so let's head over to Pennsylvania in line three. Dwayne, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are um, you? I'm pretty good, I guess. But, I mean, I'm not going to go over all the problems that I talked with before because they're probably already out there with, you know, the home situation and job and my injuries. But one thing that's also always been on my mind and in my heart, I think, is doing a missionary trip or right. of some sort to uh, – because I know there's other things going on out there, and other people going through things worse than I that I am going yes. through. But I mean, I just don't know how to focus into like one thing. Because like whether it be like you know, I mean, sometimes like Puerto Rico and then one of the Indian tribes or something like that or reservations. I mean, so I'm like all over the place. So it needs some like 
focus and direction, I guess, okay. from the Lord, well, where, of course. And also where I would help you start. And reading okay. and uh, language. I mean, because when frustration comes out, I mean, I, uh, no, things come out like I'm a, a drunken sailor or something. You know what I mean? And, yes. Uh, I know it's not good. So let's... So let's start about your first part of your question, and then let me ask you a question. Are you involved in a local church? Yeah. So my involvement in the local church would be the first place I look for for help when it comes to missions and mission trips. Uh, you know, here at Calvary, we do quite a few short-term trips. Uh, we support quite a few missionaries, and when someone desires, has a heart to go on a trip, we encourage them to begin praying for one of our current missionaries, uh, to begin praying for a, you know, asking God for a burden for one part of the world, uh, or, you know, for us as well, you may be familiar with this, but missions is actually threefold or fourfold, really. It's, it starts at home, so you have missions right there in your own home backyard, you know, your next-door neighbor across the street, your, the person you see when you get groceries, like missions is everywhere, and then... Not only is it locally, but it's also then the state and the country. So you have opportunity to do things within Pennsylvania, uh, open doors at not only you know in the city you live in, but in the state you live in, and then the United States, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And sometimes it's easier to begin locally. Like for us, we have we have a regular trip that we go support. We have in Aurora here in Colorado. We are a city that a lot of immigrants are brought to, uh, and the city has purchased uh, apartment buildings to help put them in. And so there is a brother in the church that had a burden to help these kids by fixing their bicycles, and he started fixing their bikes, and that opened up an, an amazing door where ministry is done in those apartments every single week, and the gospel is preached, and they've invited us into their homes, and it's an amazing thing. And so I would encourage you to contact your pastor, or if your church has a missions pastor, uh, he's the one that could help you the most. Um, and let me pray for you in that second part of your question. Uh, Father, I pray for Dwayne as he has this heart to give and not be burdened down by his difficulties, but to give and to serve and to return, you know, let all that all that he's enjoyed, he wants to be a blessing to others. So I pray that you would help him, Lord, to discern and and decide and w what is it that you want him to do. Even reading, Lord, how sometimes you know it's frustrating in his mouth, you know, the flesh of his mouth, Lord, where he sounds like a sailor and just saying things that aren't glorifying to you. Uh, I pray you would help him continue to change him from the inside out, uh, continue to work in him, Lord, through your faithful Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. All right, Dwayne, thanks for calling. Yep, yep. See you. All right. We're going to go back to line two. Star is back on the air from Denver. Hey, Star, welcome to the program. Hi there. I just Hi, did you to hear my answer earlier? You. I did, and I wanted to okay, say good. thank you for answering. You're welcome. Was, was I, there a part of laying on of hands that you were thinking of that maybe you learned somewhere that was specific or just the general way I answered? No, not at all. Um, okay. I go to a church, and we do believe in the laying of hands. And just like you said, maybe for others, it might make them nervous for newcomers, stuff like that. And 
I just wanted to see if Calvary, um, if you guys represent that and if you believe in that, and I'm very happy that you do, and you mentioned in the Bible where they where they preach about it or they talk about it, and that's all. I just wanted to kind okay, of good. check. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Star. Thanks for calling back. And I want to say thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to go up to Fort Collins now, and line one is Mike. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike, you're on the air. All right. I don't think we have Mike on the air anymore, but that means all lines are open. Give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number. Text me. 720-336-0897. Pastor Ed, what do you think about acupuncture? Is this still okay, even though it's Eastern medicine? Now, again, I, I'm not familiar like with the significant differences between Eastern medicine and Western medicine. I know those phrases are used, and, and I know they have meaning to them, but I'm not super familiar with them. So the way I like to answer these questions is, what is the origin of it? And just because it was invented by someone that is a Buddhist or someone that is a Hindu doesn't necessarily mean it's bad um, because it's the essence and the origin. For example, we had that question about yoga yesterday. See, yoga in and of itself is a Hindu practice. It is a worship, It is a practice of worship. It's not merely an exercise routine. And it has significant meanings behind it. Um, yeah, acupuncture is is different uh, than than yoga, and the sense, even though it came to us from the east, um, uh, that's that's the origin of it. And I know that I go to a chiropractor who is a believer. Um, I actually use the services of the chiropractor that uh, is on our radio station, Doctor Choi. Uh, he is a good man. And I appreciate him and Hisuk and all that they do for the kingdom of God. And I trust him as he is a practitioner on me um, uh, to do what he believes needs to be done in light of his beliefs. So he's a, he, he is a full-on believer. And I don't believe acupuncture is in any kind of a religious thing. It actually is tying together uh, a theory of the body. And, uh, and so that one's a good question. Um, but I personally don't believe that it is a religious act like yoga is. What are some characteristics of false converts is another text question. That's good. <clears throat> that is a good question because here's the problem with false converts. The problem with false converts is that they look like believers. They sound like believers. And it's very difficult for us to um, it's very difficult for us to know their heart. So what we're able to tell uh, as far as a false convert, or let's use the phrase someone that says they're a believer and are really not, or says they're born again and they're really not, is by their lifestyle and the fruit of their life, <clears throat> by whether they hunger and thirst for righteousness. <clears throat> whether they love what God loves, whether they hate what God hates, whether they are continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in prayer 
and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread, taking a communion. Um, false converts have a tendency to fall away. So kind of like what John said, they went out from us because they weren't of us. And they weren't of us and because they weren't saved. So a false convert can have all the right language, can own a Bible, be in church, but not be born again. Another characteristic of a false convert is that they've converted, that's a good word that you use, they've converted to religion and not to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's merely external. Uh, remember in the day of Jesus, the Pharisees were condemned for being whitewashed tombs, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. So they were emphasizing the outward and not the inward. But that's a great question. Very good. Uh, a couple of people uh, have texted me, so thank you guys. I didn't want to mention, well, I was going to send this uh, uh, link to them, the, our good friend Sammy Tanago, uh, who has, every time you hear his spot come on, it's like, oh yes, the brother is as passionate as his spot sound, uh, literally, even when you're just talking to him face to face. I love Sammy. And so Sammy Tanago, that's going to be something I send her. So thank you guys, a couple of you um, text me uh, info, so thanks. Uh, here's another one. Can you suggest a Calvary Church in Phoenix? Um, yes, there, the, uh, there's a Calvary Church, a friend of mine, Mark Martin, uh, in Phoenix. Uh, he has a, a large Calvary Chapel there with two campuses. Also, uh, there is a Calvary Church. There's a bunch of Calvaries um, all throughout the Phoenix area, uh, depending on where you are in the area. But um, we have um, a brother here at the church, uh, Pastor Bob Claycamp, his son, Jesse, uh, pastors, a Calvary Chapel in Phoenix uh, as well. Uh, and so there are different um, sizes, Calvary Chapels. There are different, um, f- you know, I, for lack of a better word, flavors. Uh, but but Pastor uh, Jesse Claycamp is in Phoenix. Pastor Mark Martin is in Phoenix. Um, uh, John Brown, a friend of mine, is in Phoenix. Uh, so there's quite a bit of great churches in the Phoenix area. And I know that uh, John Brown is Central Phoenix. Uh, he is um, on Glendale Avenue, but again, the large, uh, the large Calvary there is um, Calvary. I think it says Calvary. I think that it has a huge sign uh, that you can see off the highway there um, that they purchased at Old Strip Mall, and it came with that sign. Um, but if you go to CalvaryCCA.org. There is a church finder there, and this is the Calvary Association. And with using the Calvary Association finder, I'm going to put in Phoenix. And so uh, you've got Mark Martin on Black Canyon Highway. You've got one Awataki. You've got one North Phoenix. That was Jesse Claycamp. Uh, you've got a friend of mine. He's in Israel right now, uh, Joshua Perlman, the Refuge Church. Uh, so quite a bit. Um, uh, available there, you know, and of course there's in Surprise and all the suburbs of Phoenix. So go to calvarycca.org and uh, use the church finder there, and you'll find quite a bit of fellowships that we are affiliated with. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let's go to uh, line three in Denver is Phoenix, uh, excuse me, Felix on line three. Welcome to the program. Felix, are you with me? Felix, are you here? Okay, so I, I love how Kevin uh, gives me thorough 
uh, call screening. And here's Felix's question. How should I go about convincing my wife to stop smoking weed? They are both believers. Well, hopefully you will be able to have a relationship with her where you guys can talk these things through. And I, I like to say that I would approach it uh, for a couple of ways with my wife. Uh, number one, I would say just because you can doesn't mean you should. So that would apply to cigarette smoking, right? I, if my wife wanted to start c- smoking cigarettes and uh, or weed, doesn't matter. I would, I would just say just because you can, like just because it's legal, um, just because it's not necessarily a sin. Although I would dis- you know, I've got, I would disagree on that. But let's just for the sake of argument, um, it's legal, so it's not bad. Well, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good. There's a lot of things that are legal that we don't do because of wisdom. Uh, and so, you know, I'd start with praying for her and praying for the right opportunity. And then I would share with her about just because you can doesn't mean you should. Then I would take her to the Bible where it says that we're not to be drunk with wine. We're not to be under the influence of anything but the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. And then I would get to the root of why there's a great disagreement in your marriage. Um, and is this a new thing? You know, or did you marry her and she was smoking pot? You, maybe you both were smoking pot when you got married. I know Marie and I, uh, we were unbelievers when we got married, so um, we weren't smoking pot. I, I was a little bit, but she wasn't. Um, but we were both unbelievers. So I got saved, and she got saved the following week, but there was a lot of things in our lives that we needed to give up that weren't given up right away. And while I put away cigarettes and alcohol and drugs right away, there were a lot of things that God is still working out, still to this day, working out in my life. Um, and so I'd go carefully and prayerfully. And if you need a third party to help, talk to your church and sit down with one of the pastors and see if you guys can't come to an agreement. All right, let's go over to Cheyenne, Wyoming now. Brandon's calling. Cheyenne, welcome, or Brandon, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Um, so I've been listening the last few days to your sermons um, on Romans 8, okay. um, particularly about, um, you know, condemnation and, and conviction and all that kind of stuff. And one of the ones that I listened to on the way to work this morning is where I was talking about, um, talking about uh, forgetting your past. And it was using the, the scripture in Philippians 12 um, about yes. forgetting you know, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward towards what is ahead. Um, And for me, um, a lot of my past has been brought up in the context of counseling and stuff. My wife and I have gone through a lot of traumatic experiences that we're healing through. Um, Sorry, I just went up the stairs. I'm out of breath. (laughs) But uh, um, talking about healing and all that stuff in in the context of our marriage, um, because there's a lot of been there's been a lot of things that have happened as a result of traumatic experiences from our past and stuff and and like when you spoke on that this morning and I was listening to it, it really convicted me and I was just like yes I just want to be able to take my past and and be done with it, um, but it comes up in many ways. I mean it had to come up last night when my wife and I were talking with my counselor and. Uh, so I'm just, I, I understand that going into your past when it comes to traumatic experiences and healing through that and all that stuff um, is necessary because I feel like God wants to open those wounds sometimes in order to experience the healing that we need. 
but then it keeps being brought back up. And so what is it that I can do or how is it that I can pray to say, God, like, you know everything that has happened. I've confessed it to you. I've confessed it to myself, and I've confessed it to someone that I trust and love. How do I move on from here? And that's that's well, kind of my, that, my dilemma. That's a great question because we we all wish we could erase the past and we wish that and would desire for us not to have to think of the past. I was actually on my way into the office yesterday morning. I was listening to a Bible study by uh, Raul Reese on his app and it was about spiritual warfare and and one of the things he said really resonated with me uh, in my life and he said that he's Oh wow, the music's up. So we got the music. I must I must have missed it. So hang on. I'll take this call on the other end of the break, okay? Don't hang up. This is Calvary Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to today's episode of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. If you just joined us, we have an open line, 303-690-3000. You can always text me. I see the texts, the texts coming in are piling up, so I may or may not be able to get to them, but thank you for texting. Keep, keep them coming in. Uh, if you were listening on Grace FM, of course, you heard the invitation to our church, and I, I'm always encouraged by the... Uh, opportunity to to minister to you here at Calvary. Um, it is a great church. We're not a perfect church. Uh, we definitely don't have a perfect pastor or a perfect pastoral team, but there is a, a group of men and women that love Jesus, that have dedicated their lives to serving Jesus, uh, that uh, will love you and care for you and minister the gospel to you. It's messy. Uh, the warfare is intense, but um, I'm grateful to be a part of Calvary Church here in Aurora. I'm grateful to be a part of the ministry team here. And I was encouraged to hear that invitation because it's real. It's a real invitation uh, that God is doing. And if it's not our church, go to some church that is preaching the gospel. And I that phrase, that simple verse-by-verse Bible study is an important one because we we do teach through the Bible verse by verse, and it's simple. And you, it's not. We don't take an academic approach uh, to the Bible teaching here. Not that it's not academic; it certainly is. Um, me or any of the guests or any of the pastors that teach handle the Word of God correctly for sure. But it's not a lecture that you're coming to or a seminary class. Uh, we want the Bible to be alive in you. We teach for life change. We teach not for knowledge's sake, but for the fact that knowledge matched with wisdom will lead to obedience. And one of the greatest, sometimes people will post it or send it trying to put me down. That was the simplest Bible study I've ever heard. It's too simple. Well, I take it that as a compliment because I don't want to make the Bible more complicated so you don't understand it. I want you to receive the Word of God. I want you to receive the simplicity of the gospel. I want to take the Word of God like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was the most profound teacher ever to walk the planet Earth, for sure. But remember, here's one of his teachings. Ready? Look at the flowers of the field. Solomon wasn't dressed as good as the flowers of the field. 
And doesn't your father love you more than flowers? <laughs> like, that is, yes, I can understand that. And that's the whole goal. God wants you to understand his word. Understand. And so I like that phrase. I'm glad that we re-recorded that invite. And simple verse-by-verse Bible study. That's true. Um, and I'm always trying to make things simpler. Um, not that I can't teach an academic study and not that I can't get really heavy and parse all the Greek and pull out the Hebrew or whatever. I, I certainly could do that, but that's not what God's called me to do. He's called me to be a pastor, to teach simply, uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, uh, Ephesians 4. So uh, that just stuck with me. I, I know you guys listening on another station heard different spots in between, but here we have just this little invitation to our church, and it says simple verse-by-verse verse Bible study. Yep, that's what you get here. And we're in Hebrews right now, enjoying it. So we're going back to Brandon. Uh, he had a great question. Uh, uh, I'll repeat it for the sake of anyone joining us on the second half. Brandon, are you still with us? I am still with you. So Brandon was listening to a Bible study that that uh, on on our radio station uh, that I taught on the topic of condemnation and how to deal with the past. And the question is, well, how do I deal with the past? Because even in working with counseling with my wife and life, like I can't ever forget my past. Uh, and so what do I do? And and that's a good question because I, I was as I was sharing right before the music, <clears throat> listening to Pastor Raul Reese on this Bible study of spiritual warfare yesterday, he said something that man hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, that and it just resonated. I was I was right there on Tower Road, heading right next, not too far from the church, and I'm like, wow. And he said this. He said there are consequences to sin, and I am still experiencing consequences of sin from my life. And what he meant was, is that he still deals with things that are consequences of sin way back in the past, way back in his pre-believer days, that somehow we think that consequences will just disappear, and they don't always disappear. Um, that's why we beg people not to sin, because the consequences can be catastrophic. And, and so as you look at um, your life, Let's just make sure, and hopefully I said it in the Bible study, but let's just make sure there's no way you can erase your past. And there's no way that you cannot think of your past. And there's no way that you can't hold somebody back from using your past against you. We all have a past, and God has made us an incredible memory to remember. You know, I don't know if you've seen this, Brandon, but as I get older, I remember the things I want to forget. And I forget the things I want to remember. And I just find that like, man, I could be I could be walking through King Supers or Safeway and hear a song on the radio and it'll take me right back to the day I committed a sin. Or the day I did something stupid because the eighties music is was the soundtrack of my sinful life. And and so with that all in mind, just kind of release you that we're not gonna to go toward something um, that's impossible because that'll just burden us. When dealing with our past, we need to make a conscious choice to accept it and move on. To make sure that there's no nothing in your past that needs to be resolved or taken care of. As I was speaking with a brother yesterday after service, that we would keep short accounts. So I can I can say with all of my mind today, there's nothing in my past that I know of that needs to be resolved or that's waiting for me to resolve. 
Um, that doesn't mean God won't reveal something, but nothing that I know of consciously that I am refusing to obey God. Uh, I have addressed my past to the best of my ability, and it was a horrible one. And I like the illustration of a car. You know, you see the ratio between the size of the rearview mirror and the size of the windshield? Right. The windshield is large because your goal of your car is to go forward, but you do need to keep a bearing about who you are and where you've come from, and that's where the size of your rearview mirror, you look up at occasionally, you remember where you came from, because there's a positive side to my past, and that is, is, is as a bummer as it is, it, it's a very beautiful testimony of the grace of God. Like, I was unsavable from man's perspective, literally. I didn't think I, I didn't think I would ever come out of the problems I was in. Sinful, wicked, wretched, bad person like Saul of Tarsus. I was a blasphemer, a drunkard, uh, you name it. I was not a good unbeliever. I was a bad unbeliever. And yet my past can be used to accentuate a testimony of the grace and the goodness of God. So, so here's the summary. Dealing with our past, we need to make a conscious choice to forget it and not to hold it against ourselves. Of course, if we knew then what we know now, we would never have done the stupid things we did. But we did do them, and there's nothing we can do. We can only learn from them so that we won't repeat the same mistakes again. Isn't that what God said? He said, I wrote these things from the Old Testament for your admonition upon whom the ends of the age would come. He, he gave us the mistakes and the sins of the patriarchs and of of the men that have come, men and women have come before us, so that when we read read them, we wouldn't make them ourselves. Right. Yeah. And um, sorry, I've just been taking notes as you've been talking. This is this okay. is good. Um, one of the ways that my counselor explained it last night was there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is yeah. I'm um, I'm I'm sorry for what I've done, and shame is I'm sorry for who I am. Um, or what I am, or maybe I, you know, That's something like that. And it's being yes. who I've become and all that stuff. And I've, I've dealt with that, that, you know, self-condemnation of dealing with like, oh, I, I basically hate myself. I can't stand myself because of a lot of the things that I've done. And so, you know, more so I think figuring out a way to move on from that place of the self-condemnation and knowing that, you know, I can just press forward. And and again, it's still so hard because my thoughts, you know, especially at night when I go to bed, my thoughts come up of, of my past and things that are on yes. the back of my mind, and whether I have to share it or not, it's, you know, it, it's yes. still there. And so it's just being able to free my mind from that and have the peace of God that surpasses understanding that will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus and be able to move on from it. So let's build on that a little bit, you know, because I, I look in my life and I say, oh, there, there are still patterns in my life that tie me back to my past. Like I still make some of the same mistakes that I made when I was an unbeliever. Um, I still make some of the relational mistakes or I still make, I still make mistakes, uh, willingly, unwillingly. I mean, one thing that's different about me is that I don't intentionally want to hurt people, but I still find in my life that I do. And, and I don't want to, and I didn't mean to, but it happened nonetheless. And I just hate that about me. 
I hate that. Yeah. But see, there's a, I like how you, I'm so glad that you shared that because shame is, you know, you said hate my, you said, I hate myself. Well, I don't hate myself. I just hate that part of myself. Like I hate that behavior. I hate that thinking. I, I want God to redeem it. I want him to change it. I want him to give me a better understanding. I want to learn from my mistakes, but I know that I'm going to continue to sin until Jesus returns. So I need to accept the frailty of who I am. I need to make things right to the best of my ability, and I need to continue to live my life by the grace of God. Because when you start to say, you know, I think I don't think it's in that series, but if you go to our app, I taught these studies in a different series called Being Free from Our Past. And one of the things in the Bible study on forgiveness that I talk about is that people need to learn how to forgive themselves. And that's a that's an interesting phrase that people listening right now go, oh, he's probably some new age worldly guy. No, 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 no. I'm not using it the way the world does. I'm using it in a biblical context and to learn how to forgive themselves. And this is what I think that means. What I think that means is, is in order to forgive yourself, you need to consciously, continually accept that God has forgiven you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because when you... So tie this together, what your counselor said about shame, okay? When you hate yourself or you're upset with yourself for that behavior and you're just, you you aren't seeing yourself as God sees you. You have interrupted the newness of life that God has given to you. It's okay to hate a behavior, but when you turn it in onto the precious person that you are, you have gone, uh, you're right, you don't want to walk in shame. Guilt is good when it drives you to the cross. You know, guilt is good when we recognize the conviction of sin and we run to the one who can cleanse us so that when you choose not to forgive yourself for your past, this is what it sounds like. You're saying, my sin was so bad and I was such a horrible person that if I was God, I wouldn't forgive myself. And that's a problem because you're not God and the God that you serve is greater than you and he has forgiven you. And all that's required for you is to accept and agree, accept the forgiveness of God and agree with him, submitting your life to him. And see, that's when you start listening carefully to your language and you hear how many times you are at the central focus of your statement, you just know right away that's the wrong. It's not about me. Uh, I have failed and I wish I didn't. And I've asked for forgiveness and I, I, I truly am remorseful over it. But I'm a new creation in Christ, and I'm going to learn from this. And I was just thinking this the other day. Marie, Marie and I were talking about this. Um, you know, when I met her, like I hurt her deeply. I, I got a 15-year-old girl pregnant in my sinful days, and I hurt her mom. You know, we're thinking about that right now because there's a neat celebration for her mom, and, and we have a great relationship now, and the Lord's done a great work, and I value my wife, and I treasure her, and I but I hurt her deeply many years ago, deep. And that, that's only one example. And, and yet there she is sitting next to me and she knows I hurt her. She probably knows more than I do. And yet she expresses love to me. She forgives me. And if she forgives me and I know God forgives me, then I need to let it be in the past. Yeah. And that's the paradigm shift for me is, is the fact that I've always felt like love was conditional with everyone that I grew up with, especially my dad, my stepdad, and a lot of men in my life. And so it was hard for me to believe, like, I know what the Bible says and all that stuff, and and that's cute and all, but, you know, I I still have a hard time 
I've had hard times believing it for myself. I think I'm believing it more now. And I know that I can be my own worst enemy when it comes to that. Um, but then again, there's the focus is on me and, and I know I need to put my focus more on Christ. And I think that's, I think that's profound. I mean, it's, it's simple yet profound, you know, the way that you say it, because I've been caught up so much in I, 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 me, me, me. Um, but it's, I mean, it's still hard though, pastor, like it, it, it is hard to get my, get my mind, you know, focused off of myself and onto, onto Christ when, so much has happened. I've done so much. So much has been done to me. And so, um, again, it's a yeah. paradigm shift. It's, it is. And and let me. Uh, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm actually in the military. Okay. And so, how long have you been in the military? Uh, fifteen years. Is it easier now, fifteen years later, than it was the first day of boot camp? Uh, much easier. <laughs> well, are it you, depends on are the day. You better but yes. At- are you better at what you do than you were 15 years ago? Yes, I am. And, and, and you know where I'm going with that. Like it is hard mm-hmm. in the beginning when you're learning new concepts and you're learning new biblical, like there is a learning. Jesus said to come to him and learn of him. But I, I know that as you apply yourself and as you respond to the training and as you respond to what the Bible says, for example, one of the things that I wanted to encourage you to do is to start to memorize scripture, put the Bible says to hide God's word in our heart so that we won't sin against him. And not all of this is just like, you know, mistakes and stumbling. Some of this is just outright sin. So now you're dealing with sin in the present, not the past, but the present. You, you, when you and I don't accept the truth of God, we're sinning against him and we're putting ourselves at great peril. Um, and we were looking at last night in our Bible study, looking at the lies of the enemy, but really there's only one lie. There's only one real lie, and the the lie is that there's not one true God. I mean, if you don't believe in God, then everything else doesn't matter. The one true God uh, that revealed himself. And so one of the things you want to do is memorize Scripture. And I was thinking of the Scripture would be perfect for where you are right now. It says, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, and 6, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, <clears throat> casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And you know as well as I do, they train you very well in the military. A sharp mind is ready for battle. And it's true in the spiritual realm, a sharp mind. And we're not going to, if I, if you were trained to do such and such in the military and Ed Taylor showed up and said, don't do that. That's dumb, Brandon. Why are you thinking that way? You're going to revert back to your training and you're going to tell Ed to pound sand because he doesn't know what he's talking about. And you need to learn to do that with the lies that have been swirling around your head and your life, the way you were treated. You know, when you say paradigm shift, really what that looks like in the in the spiritual realm is that you learn to submit to the truth of God. That's the real shift. The real shift is submitting myself to the truths of God because it's through the word of God that my faith is built and it's through the word of God that I conform my mind into the truthfulness of what God has to say for my life. And you will get better, I promise you. Just like in the 15 years you've been in the military, thank you for your service. 
just like that. You're going to get 15 years down the road. You'll still have same battles. I'm telling you, I've been walking with the Lord 29 years. I still got same yeah. same issues, but I'm I'm so much different than I was as a new believer in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that I've been a believer for a long time, but I'm, I'm, I'm still learning new concepts even, you know, 20, 22 years later um, yep. because of the fact that even as a believer, I was still stuck in old habits. And, yes. but this is, this is really encouraging. This is definitely what I needed to hear. And I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the question. I think a lot of people wrestle with this and, and whether you're a new believer, older believer, these are, you, you are well on your way to walking in freedom and, and strength and being the man you desire to be the man your wife desires you to be, but more importantly, the man that God desires you to be. Right. Absolutely. And that's what I'm striving for, or, you know, just, just resting in that. And so, well, thank you, Pastor Ed. I really appreciate your encouragement and direction. And, um, yeah, just one day at a time. That's all I can do. Yes, sir. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. God bless. All right. Love that. That was such a great question in response to a Bible study. And that's a that there is a large part of the community of the of body of Christ where you know that one of the reasons small groups exist so you can talk about the message, and one of the things you want to do with your spouse if you're married is talk about the message. One of the things you want to do with your kids when you're leaving church is talk about the message, um, because that's how you that's another facet of growth. All right, let me get this uh, text question. It's a pretty popular one. Should churches play Hillsong or Bethel music for worship? So the answer to that is is yes and no. Um, and you continue to say, my fear is that people listening to somewhat doctrinally correct music may look into the churches that write these songs and take their not biblically correct preaching as truth. So if so, the yes and no of the song is if it is a doctrinally accurate song, we're not going to sing songs that are somewhat doctrinally correct. So the answer is no. If it... if I always like to, with Pastor Ian, Pastor Jason, uh, and Pastor Henry, the guys that help lead worship, the gals that, Manda, um, we look for, is there sin in the song? And if there's, where's the sin in the song? Because that's what we're to stay away from. Um, but we happen to be a church that teaches through the Bible. So if somebody goes to Bethel or Hillsong and listens to their Bible studies and has any questions, they've been taught to test what's being said by the Word of God. Uh, and not just the, the internet weirdness that goes on, and not just those things. There, you know, the new apostolic reformation. I don't believe that. I don't believe we're going to bring the kingdom of God. But you know, there's been a lot of people over the years that have believed that. The guy that runs CBN, uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network, he believes that. There's been a lot of people, but but we teach our people to be Bereans, and singing a song doesn't endorse every single thing a church does. Uh, back in the day, it was the Vineyard and Calvary Chapel, and 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 so like just because you're singing Vineyard songs doesn't mean you agree with everything that's being said in the Vineyard, and just because you sing a Calvary Chapel Maranatha song didn't mean you agreed with everything Pastor Chuck Smith was doing. So I just think in these days in which we live, um, we need to take a question like this and go, well, what Bible study are we referring to? Um, because uh, if there's a Bible study from one of these churches that has errant doctrine in it, then let's hey, I don't believe that. And if it's errant doctrine about an essential of the faith, then we have a big problem. Um, but um, we sing songs that glorify God. We sing songs from all different tribes of Christianity. Uh, we don't sing songs written by an unbeliever. 
Um, but through, I wrote a, I didn't write an article. I reposted an article of a pastor friend of mine on my website, uh, edtaylor.org. It's called Worship Wars. And I thought he gave a well-reasoned answer to this whole issue and talked about songs being written by imperfect people throughout the whole ages that held weird doctrines or weird teachings. And, and I think that I'm not the one that's going to stand on uh, on the judgment throne and say, you go to this church so you're not saved. Uh, man, I, I don't, I, that's not my place. I can judge what you say and say, I don't agree with that. And then leave that person to the Lord. And I, this is what the Bible says. And I don't agree with that. And I, I think there are real true believers, you know, like just like in Hillsong or Bethel, like I, I don't agree with many doctrines in Calvinism or the Reformed faith. I don't believe in infant baptism, period. But if Luther writes a song, I mean, Luther said some really gnarly things in the latter parts. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, said some really anti-Semitic things in the end of his life. And so I accept that he wasn't a perfect man. And I absolutely disagree with what he said. I disagree with with the Reformation teaching of replacement theology. I re- reject five-point Calvinism. Like, But I, I appreciate my brothers. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I don't need to make an argument out of it. Um, I don't need to make an enemy out of a brother because we disagree. Um, I want to. I want to uh, support one another. And so, yeah, we we if the song is good, we sing it. Uh, we sing it from Elevation. We sing it from um, from Harvest Bible Chapel. We sing it. I was just listening to. I was in my office yesterday listening to our overhead music, uh, and this song. I've I've got to find out who it is. Let me find out who it is. It's called Believe Again by Vintage Worship. And I know we got connected with Vintage Worship through um, uh, through the brother... Um, oh, come on, Edward. Um, generous giver, Brenton Brown. Um, and then, like, I, I just think I want to teach my people how to study the Word of God. I want to teach my people to be Bereans. One more thing about this, because it is personal. Um, I was, I'm not a big concert guy, but Pastor Ian... Uh, invited me and Marie to a concert uh, at the Pepsi Center. Uh, he got tickets from a sister who used to come to our church, and it was in it was it was really a, a great experience. Uh, we got to sit up in the um, box thing because that's where her business got seats for it or whatever, and we got to go for free. It was glorious, and and I didn't know how broken my heart was at the time. I mean, I knew I had a broken heart, but I didn't know how broken. And that that concert with Hillsong United. Um, probed and penetrated my God used the music and the lyrics to minister to my heart and I know not everyone agrees with the lyrics one of the songs says one of the songs they use the phrase hurt like hell and I know not everybody agreed with um, that they're kind of offended by that word however if you've ever hurt like hell um, you would understand the depth of that song and that's what the lyricist or the writer wrote so I think we can play songs that glorify God. And I think we can play songs that... uh, We're not going to worship with a song that's theologically incorrect, though. And and so that's where it starts. It's not necessarily the source, although that's a big, important part. But we are not going to play a song that's somewhat doctrinally correct. But you got to understand, not just the songs that we sing, but with the proliferation of the Internet... There's weird doctrine all over the place. There's weird teachings all over the place. There's people here in Aurora putting out weird YouTube videos 
um, people that used to come to our church. Like, there's weird stuff all over the place, but I love them, and I wish that, uh, you know, they would, instead of making videos, they would talk. And if it's outright false teaching that is not a secondary or tertiary uh, doctrine, then um, I'm going to reject it on its face. I'm going to call it a false teaching, and I'm going to pray that God would stop that false teaching. However, um, this particular battle is a waste of precious resources. Um, I think you can both sing a song from a group and then also say that a portion of their teaching you disagree with. I I think you can do both. Um, And I mean, which, who do we agree with completely 100%? Even in our own little tribe, Calvary Chapel, there's differences. But they're my brothers. I love them. Um, Yeah, are we going to make, you know, are we going to make a, 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 are we going to make our differences the big issue between us, or am I going to overlook differences? The Bible says, and, and, and I would hope in my weaknesses that I would, um, that love would be shown to me because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And so I want to walk in love and I would have, I would desire people in my life to walk in love and I'm not going to make our differences the big deal. Um, great question everyone on hold everyone texting sorry the show is over may the lord bless you encourage you strengthen you fill you afresh with your with his holy spirit and if you're not a believer jesus loves you and gave his life for you till next time god bless you you've been listening to calvary live tune in next time for prayer God's Word.